The Norwegian Opera. Ever heard of them before? Do not confuse them with a massive marble building in downtown Oslo. The Norwegian Opera was founded by opera director Trond Reinholdsen in 2009, and it has a quite unique artistic and administrative form. Trond Reinholdsen is educated as a classical composer and singer. In his work, he is mixing references to lecture, documentary, performance and banality with his interest in narrative forms, mathematical structures and communist propaganda. To opera, to Ö, to the followers of Ö, a tracing of the history leading up to the Norwegian opera's affirmative oratory, to arms, to arms, is a commissioned text where Trond Reinholdsen writes about the history of the institution, the Norwegian opera, and its followers. The text is read by the opera director himself. Opera. From opera to opera. From opera to op. One more time. From opera to opera to ö to the followers of ö. A tracing of the history leading up to the Norwegian opera's affirmative oratory. Two arms. Two arms! By Trond Reinholdsen, opera director of the Norwegian Opera. Footnotes read by Jennifer Torrance, housemate Jennifer Torrance. Yeah, and recorded with the microphone of Trond Reinholdsen. So it's not the best microphone. And you can hear a little sound. This is the sound of my beard in the, in the microphone. Wow. It is, not, it is not necessary to repeat to the readers and listeners of this podcast. Is it a podcast? I think so. I start from the top again. It is not necessary to repeat to the listeners of this podcast that opera as a relevant and potent art form is dead and has been for almost a hundred years, since 1925 exactly, footnote one. 1925 is the year of the premiere of Alban Berg's Botzek, the last good opera, as well as the year of Puccini's death. No, I'm sorry, that was in 1924. Despite the effective... 
Despite the effective use of new, newly built fancy schmancy architecture opera houses serving as tourism magnets, politicians' vanity projects and signifiers of urban capitalistic dynamism, and despite desperate attempts to fake coolness and contemporaneity in belated regie theater stagings with Reguletto in jeans, their Hollander as businessman or Papageno as television celebrity, and despite still another sorry composer sacrificing artistic integrity and accepting impossible working conditions in the hope of gaining some remnant of quasi-public appreciation, we will not let ourselves be fooled. Nothing in terms... Oh, this can be a distortion. Nothing in terms of, of true artistic value or authenticity creation. Authentic creation is happening with opera anymore. This we all know. And it needs no further discussion. So when the Norwegian Opera had its inaugural performance of Orpheus in the living room of the opera director in Oslogate Sjø in Oslo 2009, it was but a coincidence that the Norwegian Opera and Ballet in Björvika, also the state institution opera, Opera, which incidentally can be seen from the former institution's toilet window, open at the same week or so. Was that possible to understand? I don't know. <laughs> yes? The art form in question is no longer the outcast genre of opera, but rather the new and potentially virginally fresh opera that is spelled without an E. Opera. A genre devoid of the schlam of traditions and definitions. While the Norwegian opera and ballet considered having one word premiere during its first five years, the Norwegian opera announced 15 wow. in its first year, wow. admittedly all of them by the opera director himself. The founding principle of the Norwegian opera was the old Marxist Maxim to gain total control over the means of production. All aspects of the institution should be treated artistically. The aim was, through a radical downscaling of the opera apparatus, to reclaim, to reclaim nothing less than artistic freedom at its purest. <coughs> Artistic freedom at its purest, which is fundamentally lost in the repressive, bureaucratic, overly academic, sneak, commercialized and conservative elitism of the contemporary music scene. I was myself the directorial opera director, the composer of all works, as well as the librettist, director, Heldentenor, scenographer, propaganda minister, web designer, ticket master, cleaning assistant, conceptual consultant, head of the workers' union, restaurant chef, etc. No more weak institutional criticism aiming to modify the system from the inside, which I had done for years. From now on, I build my own institutions. Wow. Wow. In 2015, the Norwegian opera had grown to a small crew of dedicated opera superstars and moved it lo its location to the forest in Sweden to further radicalize its quest for 
Isolation and concentration. Isolation and concentration. Snack, snack on where ahead of its time. What? Isolation and concentration. Signaling a brutal cut with the system. And in the end, also abandoning the concept of the audience. Instead, the seller of the opera house, an infinite series of opera films, was begun under the name Ö. It is a mixture of dystopian science fiction, verismo, communist propaganda, outdated existentialism and plump autobiography. In other words, a little like Der Ring des Nibelungen, but, but much longer, of course. The operatic series counts 16, no, 17, somewhere in between 16 and 17 episodes at the moment of writing and reading, with one admittedly complicated but nonetheless continuous narrative. Three protagonists. For the sake of simplicity, let's call them Parsifal, Parsifal, and Parsifal. Grow up in a cellar totally isolated from the outside. They form a kind of enthusiastic, alchemistic sect, and gradually there grows forth a vision of a totally world-changing event. Gradually, though, their experiments in political theory and uh, new art forms seem to somehow lose some of the initial directedness. And the fear is that they are getting stuck in some sort of theoretical, centripetal, post-structuralist blind alley, quagmire of doubts. Indecision and general philosophical fragmentation, they are also perfect. Yes. This is what perfection looks like. Perfection comes in the form of the void. Uh, is the mathematical symbol of the empty set. End quote. Quote? It was not a quote. Ah, oh, yeah. Just the notion, empty set. <laughs> <laughs> this is my nose. <laughs> Laughing through the nose. Okay, it would be irritating to go into a further explanation at this point, so please just accept this as an axiom for now. What was that? That was the perfection, the idea of the, the uh, as perfection. Yeah, yeah. But fortunately, the opera films are posted on the so called internet, and a group of viewing enthusiasts a gang of idealized audience members, a true cult of precariat proletariat of chosen ones that go under the name of the followers of Ö, has gathered together from all over the world, transcending all identitarian borders to a big meadow in the forest of Sweden. Toward this unlikely spot, they all gravitate, the old, the sick, the converted capitalists, the minorities, the incels, the lumpen proletariat, the stupid, the sick, the animals, <coughs> the monsters, the unorganic things, all forms of matter. In short, the radical, universal, everyone. They aim to interpret and translate the message of Ö into potent action in the concrete reality of our, oh, over our world. <coughs> I lost my voice. 
<coughs> I can't speak anymore. <coughs> I, <coughs> they aim to interpret and translate the message of Ur into potent action in the concrete reality of our world. An affirmative transition from theory to praxis. <coughs> A kind of nucleus commune is consolidated <coughs> on the paradisiacal, paradisiacal, how would you say this? Paradisiacal meadow. Is it a normal word? <laughs> <laughs> para, para it sounds English. But the true orientation and format is the whole world. <coughs> While Ur is the ultimate withdrawal from political, digital, and everyday banality for the sake of truth in an absolute refusing of the idea of the public, the followers in an operation of true Hegelian Aufhebung turns this into its own negative. The authentic opposite is the confirmation of the original truth. Or in a more theological language, if Ur is the testament, the followers of Ur are the apostles. Their first official appearance was a three-hour ideological affirmative oratory in Jakob Church in Oslo called To Arms, To Arms! <laughs> yep, ladies and gentlemen, the time of ambiguous theater of minor particular struggles, weak pockets of resistance and meditative considerations is over! The time for the propagandistic, propagandistic medium of the forgotten oratory is here. Oslo International Theatre Festival has changed in its name to Oratory Festival of the Stunde Null Internationale. Hurra, hurra, hurra. Hurra, 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 hurra. The followers, as the rest of us, have understood that we are all heading towards the apocalypse. As a civilization, we have totally lost the ability to create or to reimagine the future. All political invention, creativity and grandness come solely, come solely in the form of neo-fascism and are driven by the more or less secret desire for violence. Meanwhile, the rest of the political sphere are forced into a totally defensive apathy and are not able to anything other than trying to save what can be saved of formally gained goods for the common lobbying for unisex toilets and otherwise keep as silent as possible and hope for the best. It is an impotent struggle for a capitalism with a human face. There has evolved a version of the so-called accelerationism bordering on the pathological in a dark corner of contemporary thinking, but the dark corners seem to be the new center anyway, sometimes called apocalyptic accelerationism. They may represent the true moral challenge of today. It grew out of a hallucinatory mixture of the cyberpunk culture of the 1980s, the rave and drug jungle techno scene of the 90s, and a sinister desire for the ultimate unknown and radical alterity. It was cooked up by the notorious Nick Land and his gang of... Nick Land! 
student disciples in his infamously greasy office in the University of Warwick in England. When reading about it today, it comes forth as pure death drive translated to philosophy to accelerate capital growth, digitalization, and cryptology until systematic overflow and possible human extinction, until hopefully some form of artificial intelligence takes over the Promethean task of continuing progress in history, to go as far as possible, whatever outcome, as General Kurtz and Nick Land's favorite movie, Apocalypse Now, or as formulated in the title of his only recently published book, The Thirst for Annihilation. Talk in 2020, where the perspective of catastrophic climate climate change and other iron, iron, vent, iron, iron environmental and social disasters feels acute. Land's suicidal strategy on behalf of humanity looms in the unconsciousness of our collective politics. Land offers, Nick Land, Nick Land offers the desire <coughs> of submitting to the dynamic of capital and the machine while at the same time enjoying the hopelessness and apathy. A reality where, in the end, occultism is the only answer. It is a fantasy that is truly tempting. Oder mit Wotan. Nur eines will ich. I didn't dare to sing it. I was supposed to sing it. It's a quote from, from uh, Die Valkyrie. <coughs> But I lost my voice. Nur eines will ich das Ende. Das Ende. Nur eines will ich. Wotan only wants the end. Because he know he's the God. He knows that he that uh, someone else will take over. And then he goes into this depression and only wants. Yeah, nobody knows this from before. Does Ur prescribe an ethics of deceleration? For example, in the famous decelerationism aria of the mystical character, the ID, in episode nine. Here we can put in a quote. I think it's no problem. Okay, so then we maybe play a piece of the decelerationism aria here. <coughs> Is, is this the ethics of Ur, the, the deceleration ethics? Some musicologists, hermeneutics, and researchers around the world certainly think so, but this would be a too simplistic simplification. To get to the bottom of the matter, it needs a bit more work. That is why the complete Ur films with live analysis and illuminating interventions by the Norwegian opera crew will, was screened as a Vega cinema for Abend two days before the oratory. The followers of Ur have carefully studied the Ur cycle and reached an already expert level of understanding. They aim to be the instruments of Ur. They aim to be the instruments of Ur. Former audience members of Ur have tried to interpret the world. The task now is to change it. Yeps. Very good. But praxis means failure. Praxis always involves misunderstandings of theory. Praxis means repetition, failing better and all that. Praxis means continuation. Praxis has to cast off depression and fear. And most important, praxis means commitment. Where follows, praxis needs energy, ergo praxis needs lemonade. The oratory is a lemonade motor in the fight to upholding the energy. The energy to say and do yes. 
The libretto will be yes, yes, yes. First act, yes, yes. Second act, yes, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Third act, yes, yes, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Ja, ha, ha, ha. Ja! Ja, 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 ja. Ja! Ja, 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 podcast featuring from opera to opera to Ur to the followers of Ur, a tracing of the history leading up to the Norwegian opera's affirmative oratory to arms to arms. The text was written and read by Trond Reinholdsen. Black Books Theater podcast is created by Elin Grinaker, Agna Ribe, Martin Langle, Christopher Busch, Oda Tomta and me, Ida Holtelid. Black Box Theater is supported by the Norwegian Ministry of Culture and the city of Oslo. Stay tuned for the next episode of this podcast series. Ta-da-da.